Uh, welcome, my name is Marcus True. I'm Head of Treatment and Counselling at Broadway Lodge. Welcome to the Miracle Mansion podcast. I have with me, do you want to introduce yourself fella? Uh, my name's Andy. Okay, um, Andy has come from Bristol. You can, I don't know whether you probably picked up, but he doesn't have a Bristolian accent. No, still got the Mancunian swang. That's it, that's it. But just firstly, I just want to say to everybody um, that are listening to this, this podcast, please like, subscribe, tell a friend um, about the podcast so that we can get more people interested, not just in the podcast, but in uh, people's stories of addiction and definitely recovery, because that's what we're all about. Um, we want to get more people into recovery and certainly more people coming to uh, a wonderful miracle mansion known as Broadway Lodge. So let's just, let's, I'll tell you how it's, I'll tell you how it started, how I, how I, how I decided on Sunday, I thought sun, on Sunday I woke up in the morning and I thought I've got to arrange some podcast and I had a, com- I'd, I'd had a conversation with one of your sponsees. Yeah, but I had a conversation with him and I just thought to myself, I thought to myself, wow, considering the age differences mm. and the change in him as a result of the work that you're doing with him, I thought, yes, I've got to get Manchester Andy in yeah. <laughs> yeah. just to have a chat. And obviously I know how well you've been doing. Anyway, listen, let's just chop it up. Um, I just want you to tell, tell me about how you got to Broadway Lodge and what addiction was like for you. Let's have a chat. So I got to Broadway Lodge, um, there was a course of events that happened, um, I'd relapsed and life got very unmanageable very quickly um, okay. and there was a course of events that happened over about a four week period okay. that got you know, pretty dangerous and my, my sponsor in Manchester, he's not my, pre- my present sponsor but he's, he's like a brother to me, do you know what I mean? Okay. And he... He was in communication with my family, mm-hmm. and I think with what was happening in that month, um, I think they'd actually accepted the fact, you know, that the that the son was a goner. Do you know what I mean? And okay. um, was that your family? My family. Yeah. And so was you in recovery before? Was you in recovery yeah, before? Okay. I was in recovery before in 2017. Um, mm-hmm. I went to a treatment center in Manchester. Okay. And then everything uh, everything went all right. Um, okay a situation happened in my life and I kind of put recovery to one side. Okay. Um, well, you put it down for a bit. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> I was, I put it down completely, to be fair. All right, cool. Um, I felt like the situation that was going on at the time needed my full priority. No one. As a course of that, um, basically, it, yeah, I relapsed and... It, it, the rock bottom was a lot worse than the previous time. Right. Okay. Um, often, I've often heard that before. Yeah, that 100%. once you're once you're in recovery, the rock bottom that you might have had that brought you to recovery, if you relapse, it often is worse than a, the a lot, lot worse. Right. Because you knew you had it. Yeah. Okay. You know, and relapse. I mean. I did relapse because I was practicing a program. Right. So there was a good chunk of the two years. I think it was two days before my second birthday. Right. I picked up a drink. Okay. Now, I never got back. Um, I tried, but it just wasn't possible. Why not? I tried another treatment center. It wasn't possible because I think I was 
the, these treatment centres were only there were short periods of time. Okay. Um, it was nothing like what what the structure is here. Okay. And I think I was that far gone that I needed some intense intense um, treatment, if you will, okay. to, to to be able to get back onto a level playing field. Right. Okay. And my a good friend of mine, John, um, he was in communication with my with my family, okay. and they were just saying basically, you know. As a last last resort, what what we're gonna do is the last chat. You know, it was last chance saloon this this trip down here. Okay. And what made you decide to come south, though, brother? Right. So this is what happened. I'd never <laughs> heard of this place. I'd never heard of Western Supermare, to be fair. Okay. And, um, and John, John's sponsor, um, a chap called Mike, um, he he'd heard of this place. Okay. So John was in communication with my family. Everyone was working behind the scenes, which, to be fair, if they hadn't been probably wouldn't be here today so I owe it to a lot of people without okay. a doubt well honourable shout out to John John yeah John yeah, um, yeah John m- my mum says you know everyone has an angel in their life John was mine without a doubt nice um, nice and if I ever get married he'd be the best man at a wedding without a shadow of a doubt cool. so interventions do work sometimes 100% they do and it was all happening behind the scenes I was oblivious but I mean with what I was up to I wasn't thinking about it yeah um, anyway he said, "You're gonna, we're gonna send you to Western Supermare." And I remember the day. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. I typed it in Google Maps, right, and <laughs> I just have... started scrolling down, just scrolling down the country. Mm-hmm. I was scrolling, I was scrolling, I was scrolling, and I seen it. And I went, "I said, I'm not going there." I said, "Find me somewhere in Manchester," and that was where it was. You find me something. How selfish is that? Do you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, I said, "I'm not going," and I put the phone down, and then. But they planted the seed. I did want to get well. I didn't want to live the what, what I was doing. I didn't want to do what I was doing. I didn't want to live the way I was living. Okay. So I ran back and I said, um, I'll go. And there were certain conditions that I couldn't leave at the time. Mm-hmm. And, do you know, it's that was quite traumatic because I did want to get well. Mm-hmm. I did want to go away and, and I knew this stuff worked because I'd done it previously. Mm-hmm. Um and there was mistakes that I'd made before that I could learn from. Mm-hmm. But I was just that sick to death of what was happening. And I was very isolated, which, listen, I, I, I was isolated because of my actions, which, mm-hmm. you know, there's repercussions to, to my actions. And that was the fact that I was on my own. Repercussions and consequences, I guess. Yeah, yeah. a lot of them, a yeah. lot of them. Um, I don't blame anybody because quite frankly it's what I deserved at that moment in time mm-hmm. however I wanted out I wanted to get well mm-hmm. so I came down here and it wasn't what I was expecting <laughs> not at all I think I brought my weights with me I wanted to I wanted a space to set my weights up yeah do you know what I mean and I thought do you know what I think at the time I wasn't expecting it would he have come if I knew what it was in that mindset probably not Okay. But looking back on it now, without a doubt, I would have done it. Yeah. I'd do it all again the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was, did you come to, what, did you come during COVID? Was you, yeah, lockdown. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, we were in lockdown. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah at yeah. the time. So there was seven days down at the building at the bottom. Yeah. In, um, in the GB unit. In the GB unit. Honourable mention to the nurses in the GB 100%, unit. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it was daunting at the time. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. a part of me knew that when I arrived, all I had to do was toe the line. If I told the line, I had a good chance. Good. And 
yeah, I was a different guy. Even walking through the doors today, do you know, this is the first time I've been back. And um, yeah, it brings feelings, doesn't it? You know, last time I came here, I was broken. Do you mm. know, physically, I looked okay. Yeah. Do you know, I looked okay because I've trained through it. Training's a big thing for my recovery, mm-hmm. do you know? So I trained throughout it. Yeah. However, behind the eyes, there's a photograph. And behind the eyes, there's no soul. It's a, it's a guy who's dead inside. Yeah. Um. And I did come in with a bit of swagger, you know what I mean, and yeah. all that. But that got beaten out of me pretty quick. And, uh, you know, it's... Listen, it's it was a journey with with a real happy ending. Cool. Let's talk about let's talk about that that coming through the door. So you came in through the, the GB unit. Um, that's the, obviously the part where we... I think at that point, at that time, we had to um, have two units running, one for the isolation because of the uh, COVID-19. And we just had to just basically restrict people from coming in just for safety. And then they came up into the main house. So you had, what did you have, seven days down there? Seven days down there. And then they had to go to to Manchester, didn't they, for that first situation to deal with. And then they had to do seven days in a bedroom up here. Yeah. Okay. So... Tell me what it was like. So you worked with, yeah, you worked with Andy at the time, yeah. No, I was working with Chrissy. Did you work with Chrissy? Chrissy was my counsellor, yeah. Okay, I don't know why I thought you worked with I Andy. did some work with Andy. Andy yeah. yeah, okay, so yeah, you worked. Chrissy was my main counsellor. Right, okay. Yeah. Right, well, tell me about, tell me about what it was like in the main house. Because I remember you, I remember you well. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you well, but I won't say anything. And <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it like working with Chris? Um you know, Chrissy's Chrissy's a like a wonderful lady. She she's firm but fair. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I needed that. Yeah, I needed somebody that was going to tell me straight and put me in my place. Yeah, and um, and she did that. Yeah, she doesn't have any problems in in doing that. No, do you know one of the things? One of the things I I know about Chris um, is she's got a, a very what appears to be a tough exterior but mm. inside she's she's as soft as hell and I do not know a client that has had a bad word to say about her in this probably the 18 or 19 years that she's been here and that not, speaks volumes doesn't it not a word they all they all talk about her and they all say exactly the same thing and they absolutely love the bones of her so and straight away from the get-go, there was a specific subject I didn't want to discuss. Okay. So I wanted to pick what we were going to talk about when I got here. All right, so you wanted to control your therapy. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, there was one one situation that was a bit too raw. I didn't want nothing to do with that. Okay. And she said, what's the most challenging thing you've got going on at the moment? And I told her. I said, but I don't want to talk about that, Chrissy. And she said, write it on the board. And I said, do I have to? She said, yeah. So we wrote it on the board and I had to look at it. And obviously that was the main thing that we started to discuss. <laughs> what, what the whole three months was focused around, to be fair. Because right. it was that challenging subject that we could attach my behaviours to, mm-hmm. which was probably, it was it was a subject, but the behaviour was was present in many different scenarios. Yeah, yeah. And that was what we worked with because, like we know, different scenarios, but the same problem. Yeah. And yeah. it was that what we worked with. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's something I carry through my life today. So she literally, from the get-go, made you face the situation straight away. I felt like she just snapped a twig. 
That's how I felt. She broke me and then rebuilt me back. And it was the, the most challenging thing to deal with from the get-go. And, but I suppose that's what it's about. You know, you've got you to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. And Christ. So that was it, straight from the get-go. Get in there, Chris. And another honourable shout-out to Chris. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, she just, literally, she just, dealt, just had you dealing with it immediately. Straight from the get-go. How did you feel about that? Um... How did I feel? Yeah, how did you feel? Was a, there was a, a range of emotions, you know. I, I was angry, um, upset, you mm. know, fearful being the main one. Fear? Yeah, 100%, yeah, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. because it's when you get here, there's none of that numbing agent that I'd been using. Right. It was just raw. Raw emotion. Yeah. And I think yeah. it took me about four weeks probably to like thaw out and climatize a little bit. Yeah. Um, to actually stop talking mm-hmm. and listen, stop yeah. pointing. Um, <laughs> you made me sit on my hands. Yeah, you know, that, that's I actually what... thought they said sit on your hands, and you know, I thought that was just like a statement. I sat on my hands. Yeah. Until my my arms stopped moving when my tongue did. Yeah, yeah. It's one of that's that's one of Sharma's techniques. Yeah. Uh, when we get some people in in treatment that just don't stop talking, all we get them to do is sit on their hands. Because it stops them pointing. Because you just get different kinds of characters: black, white, red, green, blue, yellow. Yeah. It doesn't matter what color they are, but they all kind of exhibit the same behavior. So we've got a certain kind of techniques that helps them, and eventually, eventually, it starts to work and it starts to come through. It starts to come through. And it's like that was obviously a defense mechanism for me. Mm-hmm. Do you know, aggression and yeah. trying to control a situation or a conversation. Yeah. So we don't get to how I'm feeling. Yeah. Cool. And that's probably how I've lived my life up until I walked through the door. I even believe like the the recovery I had in Manchester. Um, yeah. All right. I wasn't I wasn't drinking or I wasn't using, but was I very well? I can probably not as well as they have been down there. Yeah. And that was due to the fact of the real soul searching. Um, yeah. And do you know like. There was a time I thought, if I, was a, if I wasn't an alcoholic or a drug addict, what would my life be like? And I can honestly say, I don't think it would be better. You know, people, I think that some people think that if they weren't an alcoholic and an addict, then life would be better. But I think it would be worse because I think if I hadn't got down to them depths, mm-hmm. then I wouldn't have had to do the soul searching. I wouldn't have had to do the work on myself. And I don't think I would have ever have got to this caliber of person. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to, and I have to support you with that because what I see with you and what I hear about you, it's the caliber. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a, there's, there's a, there's a, a level, and then, then there's levels. And you, to me, appear to be. I mean, I'm just looking at you now, and I'm. So you came in, and un, when you came into treatment, you trained. You could see you was training. Obviously, as you said, you brought your weights in and blah blah blah. But you've got a different aura yeah. about you today there's just a like like a a confidence and assuredness about you today which is just and it's not and it's not arrogant mm. do you know what I mean it's not arrogant there's a I, I, I feel a sense of humility about you today which definitely wasn't there before no, do you know what I mean wasn't it just wasn't there and then there's there's just yeah yeah it's just yeah I love that word caliber yeah yeah I think with me now it's just like um I just tell me who I am, do you know, and I just do what I'm doing. And, do you know, people, people gave me their time. They, they did things for me that 
wasn't a transaction. You do something for me, I do something for you. That's yeah. how I live my whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, in the circles I was with, it was always like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Yeah. When you're given and you visibly see somebody reaching out and giving you something for no return, mm-hmm. then you, you lead, they lead by example. Yeah. So from that, for me now, I will reach out and help other people and because not because I want praise, not because I've, I consider myself as a, that, that caliber, just because it's the right thing to do as yeah. I was shown. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in karma. I know when I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've made mistakes. I'm a human being. Yeah. But making the same mistake twice, that's where the sin comes in and then <laughs> I know about it then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So it's just doing what, what I think's right to do. Cool. It's funny because I've uh, yes I I have um I have a a client that's just come out of prison. He's been in prison for a while. Um, he's been in recovery, in and out of recovery. And this morning, when you was driving in this morning, I was thinking, who can I get? Who can I reach out to to sponsor this geezer? And then I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to speak to Andy. Yeah, this morning. Talk, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna speak to you this morning after this conversation because he just, you know, he just needs some direction. Yeah, um, and and you know, obviously, I've got loads of people that I can reach out to, but he could do with some. He could, and he he could do with some direction. Yeah, I'd be happy to help. Cool. I think, you know, it's um, especially mentioned. But he's yeah. come on leaps and bounds. Oh. You know, he's put so much hard work in. It's unbelievable. And um, mate, do you know how that geezer? I mean, here. He, it was challenging for him. I, when he said that you were sponsoring him, I didn't think that you couldn't sponsor him, but because he's an older guy and you're younger than him, I just thought, yeah. how's that going to work? Is yeah. he going to be able to take direction? Mate, listen, when we've been speaking, when I've been speaking to him, he's just a different guy. 100%, yeah. I watched him literally just, one day we were doing some stat work at my me, um, me kitchen table and I just... I visibly seen his shoulders relax. Yeah. Right. And I thought, there's the change. And I encouraged him to, you see, I, I, I do it. Um, I, I think recovery is a bespoke package. Absolutely. Right? You've got to find what works for you. Absolutely. And I'm not slating, I'm not going to name any fellowships, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to say how it is for me. Mm-hmm. And I introduced this way to mm-hmm. And it was one in particular fellowship. Mm-hmm. It's quite street. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to get away from that street mentality, mm-hmm. you can get submerged in it. Yeah. But the step work's lengthy. Mm-hmm. So you get really submerged in it for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. However, another fellowship is very spiritual, mm-hmm. right? And if you're trying to get on a spiritual path, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. So I mix the two together. Cool. Right? So it's long length step work with the spirituality of another fellowship. Now that worked for me. That worked for me a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I introduced it to him and I said, you know, you've got a bit of time on your hands now, you're in a dry house. Do five questions a day. Mm-hmm. Right? No more, no less. Gives you twenty minutes, you know, the connection with the recovery, twenty minutes in a day. But instead of instead of battering it the day before you're supposed to see me or, or whatever. <laughs> you know how you know, it goes, yeah. Yeah, I do yeah, know yeah. how it goes, you know how it goes. First time around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this gives you a little bit of 
a little snippet every single day. Plus, yeah. you're not getting bogged down with it. You're not getting tired. So your quality of, ans- of answers will be a lot better. Yeah. Um, and he did it. Do you know? And to give him his dues, I normally count how many questions there are. Yeah. Obviously, how many days it's going to take him. And then I don't throw the text out until here. And he, he texts me. Do you know, on that day, I'm doing it with another chap at the moment. He's doing the same. And I just find that recovery, it's a bespoke package. It's finding out what works for you. Because cool. otherwise, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to, it's got to be interesting. It's got to work for you. Because if it doesn't, you're going to lose interest. Exactly. And then we know what happens, you know, it can be dangerous. And, and people die. I was at a meeting last night and mm-hmm. um, I found found out someone had died. I know a lot of people that died. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy died in Manchester, my mate Mike from Salford. Um, and yeah, he, he was six years clean, more probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and uh, two good mates, my Mike um, and another mate called Jamie, we went to a Dublin convention. Right, we've got happy memories. Yeah, lovely. And... Um, but yeah, unfortunately, Mike died on a motorbike about six months ago, and he was clean and sober for six for six years. What happened? Um, he had a heart attack. Jesus. And this was this just shows how real this is. Mm. You know, his heart was damaged because of what he'd done in the past. Yeah. So unfortunately, he was one of them that had a heart attack, and his heart couldn't deal with it. Mm. And that was a massive blow. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah, I miss the guy, you know? Yeah, I, I do miss imagine. him 100%. You know, it's funny you should say that. One of the things that uh, recovery doesn't promise you, recovery just promises you a life, but we still have to clean up some of the, the damage from the past. And there's sometimes, you know, if we've got, you know, if we've got issues, heart issues, health issues, you know, alcohol, you know, alcohol does some serious damage to the body, you know, uh, crack cocaine can do some serious damage to the mind and those things need to be cleared up. So, you know, recovery isn't always about, it isn't always rosy. Sometimes we've just got to clear up some of the, the damage that we've done for the past. And, you know, God bless you. What's your friend's name? It's called Mike. Mike. God um, bless Mike. RIP yeah. Mike. 100%. And, and I agree with what you're saying. Recovery isn't all sunshine and rainbows. It's not. No. Do you know? And it's um, relocating from Manchester. <laughs> yeah. There's been, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of... Uh, yeah. It's been difficult. And some days... Recovery just stops me making the situation worse. <laughs> That's it. Um, because it stops me using drinking and then the catastrophic consequences that are going to come related to the situation I'm dealing with. Do you know? Yeah. Some days it is. Some days my mental health can be bad because mm. I suffer with that. Mm. But what it's taught me is to accept it. Now, yeah. get, there's certain situations I struggle to accept cool let's talk um the, the situation with my children in manchester it's quite difficult I'm not going to go into it too much mm-hmm. however that's been an ongoing situation to date since i got here cool um i have a really good bond with my children but when 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 i worry for them i i i, I try and control that situation absolutely i get that yeah i get that so there's that kind of stuff that goes on and some days I'll get up in the morning and my head can be bad. You know, mm. I have and for nothing. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. If 
you know, I just think, yeah, it is what it is. I'm built like this. Crack on with the day. And when you do that, it tends to go pretty quick. Cool. So you just you you you've gained some acceptance around the way that your head works and functions. Hundred percent. And I have tools in order to to sort it out. Sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. Yeah. Accepting that fact, it stops feeding it. Mm. I used to feed it. Yeah. I used to think, I'm in recovery. I'm doing everything right. Why is this happening? Yeah. You know, it shouldn't happen. Mm. People used to say it's early recovery. It's early recovery and all that. Mm. But it was. Yeah. It was, and you can be doing everything right, but some days recovery just stops me drinking, it stops me taking drugs. Yeah. It doesn't solve the other problems, yeah. but I do find that the pain is the journey, and where there's pain, there's a lesson to learn, mm. and I'll grow. It does give you the tools, it, recovery does give you the tools to deal with some of the problems, what, we do, what I just call life's problems yeah. that we have. Um, on a day-to-day basis and I think that, that you know the 12-step program certainly helps cer- certainly helps with that and particularly around step two you know the ability to just reach out and ask somebody for help you know where at times you might not have you, did, you might have just chewed it over in your head and try to solve it try to solve your own problems and your self issues so solve your own issues when in fact that's a madness now and, and yeah. yeah to me that you know the, if I've got a problem and I can't solve it. The first thing I'm going to do is reach out to somebody. I'm going to quickly think, who can help me? Who can help me with this? And go for it. Whereas before, you'd never do. I would never have done that. It would have just been out of pride. I probably wouldn't have reached out and asked for help. Do you know what I mean? And that's exactly what it was about. And yeah. that's what, that's probably where most of my problems, you know, orientated around because I would not tell you how I felt. Absolutely. It took me till 30 years old. Mm-hmm to even tell you how I felt. Mm. You know, A, I wasn't in the, in the right circles to, and B, my pride, and you have this macho, alpha male kind of like thinking around it that mm. I'm not going to tell you that I'm scared of anything. Mm. When really, that's exactly what I needed to do. And yeah. today I will. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, you can sometimes, you can have fear with nothing's changed. <laughs> right? No shit. But in my head, if that carries on, that will snowball. Yeah. And then it starts to dictate my day-to-day living. Yeah. You know, with one phone call or even writing it down and yeah. reading it back to myself so I can deal with it internally and solely, mm. right, without having to bring it to another person, even that technique works. And I think it's down to just actually being, like, so sick of that feeling. Mm-hmm. And open it up, getting vulnerable, that, that getting humble, all the things that it teaches you. But if, if if it's like if we're saying it like it's black and white, I pro- if if I if I say it, it, it's out of my head. Absolutely, and I, and if I write it, it's definitely out. I can of my read head. it back and think yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah, I'm reading it back. back. <laughs> right? If I think about it, yeah. Nine o'clock, it comes into my head. Come two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, it is magnified. Yeah. It has changed mm. 10 at all times. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that is just how I'm built sometimes. And that's okay. Yeah. Because you play with the cards you dealt with. I have to deal with the way it is. But it's taught me to to talk. Yeah. It's okay to be like that. Yeah. And, and it's okay to feel the way that you feel sometimes. Exactly. And it's, and it's okay to express it. Yeah, and it's fe- your feeling is how you feel. Feelings and facts, that, that's how I want to work with. What's factual and how do I feel? And when you work with them, it, as the months go by, 
it, it decreases. Doesn't it make life just so much easier? But it makes everything, everything. <laughs> it's just crazy. Every single aspect of your life where Andy's there and it's all in different directions, it all starts to become running fluent. And because it all centers in here. Yeah. And that was a main thing of showing vulnerability was, yeah. was something I never, ever did. Yeah. And as a result of that, with the con- with the mental health and then yeah. you're sprinkling chemicals into the bloodstream. Yeah. Yeah, that's dangerous then. Yeah, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous cocktail, isn't it? Hundred percent because it yeah. comes out in aggression. Yes. And then the consequences that are attached to that, yeah. suddenly it's gone from a guy who's pretty fearful for for certain reasons, sometimes mm-hmm. the reasons that can't be identified. Yeah. To aggression, yeah, and the consequences attached to that, yeah. The the person that did it originally with the feeling isn't that character, yeah. But because he's not working on himself, yeah. he becomes that character, a, yeah, and then starts living that life, yeah. It's, it's a nightmare, isn't it? I love the fact that you talk about vulnerability and talk about fear because it's something that you know, we, I guess, as addicts or just as men or just anybody in general. Let's not let's just. You know, honourable shout out to all the women in recovery that, you know, sometimes we're conditioned not to show our feelings or emotions. And I, now I think back, you know, from my time in recovery, and I think that's absolute madness. Mm. I'm, I'm constantly talking to people about, you know, what are you feeling? Tell me what you're feeling, you know. And obviously we look at the facts and feelings as well. But today it's 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 almost alien for me to, when people are talking about stuff and they're telling me what they're thinking. And I'm like, no, nah, actually, tell me what you're feeling and I can, might be able to help you. Um, but you know, it's just that, that's just kind of alien to me. It's, I think as well is it's finding the right people to bring the right stuff to. Absolutely. You've got to have like a list of people you bring certain situations to. Like my family, you know, we, they never wrote me off. Do you know, they didn't. Yeah. Um, without them, I wouldn't be here. That's a fact. Yeah. And what's the, what's the, however, However, we don't talk about feelings. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I bounced out of here and I'm like, let's talk about our feelings. And it, people aren't built like that. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important in your life to have the right people to take the right stuff to that, so they can help you. So I have, I have a range of guys yeah. um, that I, I discuss things with, certain different things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was told in treatment by my counsellor, uh, Mr. Steve Bushwacker, an honourable shout out to him. You need to learn to take things to the correct address. 100%. And sometimes your family is just not the one. Not at all. <laughs> not, because, not at all. Because that opens up a new um, a kind n- of worms. Because then when they don't know how to respond, which is okay, then you're thinking they don't care. Yeah. So resentment starts, resentment starts kick to in. kick in. Yeah. <laughs> it's just picking who you take things to. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I have, I have guys. Uh, I have recovery guys. Yeah. And I also have other guys outside recovery. Yeah, they bring a balance, don't they? 100%. You need balance. And I found that in the dry house. Yeah. The dry house, the dry house was a journey, you know, yeah. I'll come on to that in a bit, but yeah. I had an, I had something that was very good for me in the dry house is I started training at a gym and I had um, a trainer and, and like another guy that was involved in the gym, Neil and Sean, and they weren't in recovery. Mm-hmm. And like Neil was a bit of a mentor at the beginning. Yeah. And um, 
I used to vent a lot to him and when <laughs> I was down, you know, the dry house can be, you know, it's... It can a, be intense. 100%. It can be intense 100%. sometimes, yes, because it's still, it's still feelings and emotions and, yeah. you know, but it's just not as intense as in the, in the, in the rehab. 100%. Yeah. So sometimes I'd walk in the gym and I'd be like, this is happening, this is happening. And I found that that balance, I didn't need a recovery conversation. Yes. I didn't need, what's your part in it? I just yeah. needed someone to listen, <laughs> you know? And... You know Neil were there, and he he helped me out a lot more than you think, more than they probably know. And mm-hmm. um, I needed that balance. God bless Neil. Yeah, Neil's a good guy. Yeah, good man. Yeah, but the training was good, mm-hmm. and Sean as well. Sean's a good mate of mine, and good. you know, God bless Sean as that well. That was great. It was good. It was it was the ingredient that I felt that I, I needed. So yeah, I, I've I've kind of found the same thing that I've got quite a few friends that are outside of recovery, and I've got obviously quite a few friends that are inside recovery, and they balance things out. Yeah, you know, so it's not all you know recovery related conversations, yeah. feelings, emotions. Out, you say, what's your part? Did you work this? No, they just give me their life experience around exactly. that. Exactly. But what I do do is I make sure that I take things to the right people because sometimes you can get the wrong information and go down the wrong route and before you know it, you know, you're in a bad place. You're in a danger zone. Yeah, And absolutely. I think it was like, like if it was, if I felt like it was, if I knew my part was in it, then it's a recovery thing. Yeah. If I feel like I want to drink on it or use, then it's a recovery thing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it was just a little bit of, I needed a bit of, to let off a bit of aggression. Yes. So I'd get in there and you could see that I was in a bad place. Right, I'd get in a ring and we'll just smash some pads out for a bit. Yeah, yeah. And that worked. Yeah, yeah. Dopamine, endorphins. Yeah, 100%, yeah, all, all that yeah. kind of stuff. It yeah. was great, you yeah. know. And, um, and then obviously if I felt like that it was something that was starting to deteriorate in mm-hmm. my mood and the way I was being. Like, mm-hmm. I know when I start becoming lazy, I know I'm not right, because mm-hmm. I'm not lazy. You're not that kind of guy. No, and, no. like, I like to stay active. Mm-hmm. Um, too active sometimes, to be fair. Okay. But Wendy told me this. She said, when I left, your problem is you'll do too much. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was right. <laughs> yeah. Um, life's a lot slower now. Good. Um, so, yeah, if I felt like my mood was deteriorating and I knew I was going downhill then it's recovery all day long absolutely yeah the sport won't help that yeah because i'm distracting myself yeah and if i distract myself i know i'm not dealing with what needs to be done okay and that's where recovery comes in cool so you've been able to find a balance between that and and able to identify what you need from what you're not what you don't need yeah sounds good and that is finding that balance is because i found when i was in the dry house i was after you did four weeks and then I was allowed to leave. So I was straight up to Manchester. Yeah. And it was like, I was landing back after the weekend, 10 days later, I'm back up again. So I was kind of, I was crossing that bridge into... Normal living? Yeah, normal yeah. living, if you will, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, relatively normal at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but I was having the responsibility of look being a father again. Yeah being around my family. Yeah. So I was crossing that bridge and then I found I was on the way back down mm-hmm. and then I'm in group therapy on the Monday in the dry house and I'm submerged in the sport of communication again. Yeah. And it was just like in and out, in and out. Mm-hmm. And I found that when I then built a life away from the dry house, when I was still there, but I had like what, what I was doing, mm-hmm. it all kind of fell into place pretty easily. Absolutely. Um, but crossing the bridge, coming back, crossing the bridge, coming back, yeah. messed with me a little bit. Okay. But 
I had responsibilities. There was no way I was going to leave my children for a long period of time without seeing them because mm-hmm. they'd lost me for a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, that was hard for them. I was going to face up some responsibilities immediately. Mm-hmm. So I just had to tackle it the way it came. Mate, I have to say, I'm going to take you back to, I can't remember you had a date where you had to go back to, Man- go back to Manchester and you was in rehab. I'm not going to lie, you give me some anxiety because yeah. <clears throat> obviously, I, you know, obviously... I know I don't know too much about your life in Manchester, but I know you know things weren't the life you live in wasn't the life that you're living today, and, and what you used to get yourself involved in. So let's let's put that aside. But you had to go back and do what you needed to do and come back. And I tell you what, you had me worried. And I must admit, I was really glad that you came back and you came back safe, and we got through what we needed to get through here. And you know, you completed here and then went on to the dry house. And I was. There was no way on heaven's earth that you was. I felt that you was going to leave here and return to Manchester. Mm. That to me was just like an absolute no no. No, there's just you needed to just you know you just had to be down south of us southerners for a bit. Yeah, that's it. Let us uh, let us help you a bit, and but I never really. So in terms of like working and career and all that kind of stuff. I never worried about you about mm. that stuff. I knew that once you got your head straight, because you were so focused and driven like that, I didn't think it wouldn't be an issue, but I just need, knew that you needed to, certainly the family, it's not even the family, the kids situation, I know that that was going to be a, a challenge for you. And obviously going back to Manchester, but in the dry house, I'm, you know, I never I never worried about you at all, not once, it's, you know, with, with respect. I knew that once you done what you needed to do you was going to do what you needed to do because that's just the way that you're built yeah so you know I'm just really pleased that you got back and and then um and got back here and completed and you know went off to the went off to our dry house and then started your journey there and I and I kind of understand the you know one brick one foot in recovery you know then coming back you know one foot back in life with the kids and all the stuff and all the you know the, obviously the challenges that you've added the the kids up in uh, in in Manchester and the ex partners, so to speak. Um, but you've kept going. Yeah, it's the the situation in Manchester now is um, it's good. I'll I'll be lying if I say my heart isn't in Manchester. Cool. I I think my heart is 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 up in Manchester, and who knows what the future holds. But Let's if be- I was to go back now, mm-hmm. I'm I'm prepared. I'm okay. I wasn't back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I absolutely 100% expect you to phone me one day and say, yeah, I'm back home. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking fortnight here, fortnight there, because obviously work's going well down there. Yeah. Um, and I think from a, from a father perspective, I need to be around my kids more. Yeah. And that's what's going to be happening. Yeah, I get that. From and a selfish perspective, if I was to go back, I'd be sad because I've built a life here. Yeah. But my kids come first all day long. Mm, I get that. I just wanna. I, I, I get. That. I get that. And what? And I have to say, I have noticed. Right? I have noticed. Um, certainly, certainly, with some of my northern clients, there's a there's a different. They're just they're just they're just there's a different energy about them, and they eventually everybody wants to go back. They want to go home. Yeah. They want to go home. You know, I've had a few clients. You know, uh, one of my clients, she was from Manchester, and she she was down here, but eventually. She wanted to go home. And whenever I go up there and I see her there, it's just almost like it. 
it's almost like it's not a different country, but she's with her people. She's with her tribe. They speak differently. They're certain. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah. get it. And I think it was frosty at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but my bond now yeah. with not just my children, with my family members. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you tear through people's lives, like your family's lives, over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Right? It's going to take time to repair. Yeah. Right? So at the beginning, it was like, oh, he's back. Do you know? Mm. what? We, what's going to happen? Yeah. But now, it's different. They trust you now. They trust me. Yeah, you, um, you've, you've earned back the trust that you absolutely ripped apart. Oh, I, I demolished it. Yeah. I demolished everyone's lives. You know what I mean? I did. And, well, I think to the point where when you were... Now I'm I'm a father of two, do you know what I mean? And mm. now I'm of same thinking and you know, I'm emotionally intelligent now with mm. how I feel. Um with what my family witnessed, if I had to go through that with my children, yeah, that would really upset me. The mm. the, the situations that I was in I wouldn't want my son to be in. Mm. Um so I think what now things are a lot better and you know when they're a lot better and a lot smoother, when I come back down sometimes, I think, why am I here? Um, but you know what? It's not a decision to make on a whim. Mm-hmm. It is in my thinking. Mm-hmm. And I believe that everything happens at the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Do you know, everything, I believe my path's laid. Do you know what I mean? It's already laid out. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I believe in all that because I've seen so many coincidences that I'd be a mug not to believe in it. So <laughs> I do. And when the time's right, it will be right. At the moment, everything's running fluently. It's nice and calm, and it makes the trips back to Manchester a lot easier. So, I love the word calm because that's that's just you know from chaos to calm. That's yeah. the only thing that I want. I'm always saying that. I even say that to my 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 partner. I say that to the dogs when the dogs are playing up. We just need some calm in here. Calm. I don't want. I don't want chaos I don't want any crazy stuff I don't want no drama no I just, I'm just not about that and that's what I'm getting from you yeah I'm not about drama I think with calm becomes you, you become constructive <laughs> you know it's like there's a, in my line of work there's a lot of organising mm. and that's 50% of it organising yeah. it staying on top of it mm. and it has to be calm otherwise it rubs off in all different areas yeah it does and yeah, that brings stress. I had a moment this morning when you was on your way here when one of my, uh, uh, let's just call him a cousin, messaged me. He's He's been trying to get in recovery for a long time and um, uh, it's probably been 15 years he's been trying to get into recovery and um, he texts me this crazy message and because he's got resentments with me about about because I've not, done this or done that for him and he's he's, he's attached some expectations to me and for a moment I had that step you know that moment when you get a message and you read it it's like literally it just lit me up yeah 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 um sort of bite yeah literally (laughs) I had to I had to calm myself down and constructively respond to him that's it but absolutely be honest with him and just let him know about his expectations but calm rules for me here I've just tried to change it oh, I, you said something right and I really want to get back to it which I love Reco- your recovery is a bespoke package yeah right now 
One of the things that we've tried to bring in here is make recovery or sorry, treatment individualized. One size package does not fit all. 100%. It doesn't fit all. And what we used to do here is try this one size package and it doesn't fit all. And what we've done is try to have a bespoke, I love that word, bespoke package for people coming in here because not everybody's the same. Mm -hmm. You know, people have gone through different traumas, different situations. And yes, we've got a set of rules that we would like people to follow. But in terms of the treatment, it's now even more individualized than it was when you was here. Because, you know, over a period of time, I recognized that, you know, we we can't keep doing the same things. I agree. It's It can be sometimes like if you're, obviously we all have like, guidelines we need to hit yeah. sponsorship step work yeah. meditation all the stuff that the ingredients that have to happen mm-hmm. and i think if you go to a meeting or some people well i know this is this has happened to a couple of people because mm. a few people approach me about it mm. if you if you do what somebody else is doing to a t like follow them exactly that could possibly be more damaging mm-hmm. than it is if you actually pick your own way yeah and um, you've got to pick what works for you yeah exactly, exactly. because it's like medication as well. Like You know if you're going to the doctor and you're saying, I need this, I need this. You know in your heart if it's wrong, but some people do need something different. Absolutely. And it's like you said, not one jump fits everyone. Mm-hmm. Some people can come into recovery and haven't got mental health problems. Some people can have really severe ones. Mm. If you're relying on the program and early recovery to rectify that, sometimes it might not happen. Yeah. So you have to seek outside help. I, I do therapy um, every 14 days. Cool. I do. I get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. It's not twelve step based. However, it, it's an event. It's a, it's an hourly event for me. Yeah, and I need that. Mm. Do you know? I think finding different ways in them guidelines, finding different ways, and if you have to mix it all up, I'm, fellowships are fellowships. I don't have one in particular one. I stick mm. to a meeting's a meeting. If I like something that's said or I like the way it's structured, I'll go another go. Yeah. So recovery as a whole, there's a lot of different angles. There's a lot of different directions you can go. And it's just finding the one that works for you. And do you know what? I chop and change it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like to stay stagnant. Yeah. You know, I have a home group. I do a bit of service and then I'm off. I go to another one. Yeah. And it's all about keeping it interesting. Because if I get bored, I resent it. Mm. And then we know what happens with boredom sometimes for it gets some put people. put to one side yeah. and it can be six months down the line I can do it. I can, mm. I can make that fatal mistake. Yeah. But it happened months and months and months Absolutely. before. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I had no defense, when my head uh, clicks and it says it's a good idea. Normally if I'm, if I'm in recovery or I'm practicing like recovery, my head will say it's not a good idea. Yeah. If I'm not, it'll say, yeah, it is. And I'll stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem yeah. I don't want to end up there again no not at all not at all Andy listen it's been it's been oh, it's always an, it's always a, uh, an honour and a pleasure to speak to you as uh, even though I don't speak to you as much as I'd like to just, just because of life circumstances yeah, challenges and difficulties but I want I kind of really want to um, I know you're obviously you're working, you've got your family back and, you know, those are kind of the things that most people aspire to if they've got family and, and kids and that. And, you know, you know, from day one, I think when you was here, you always spoke about the, your kids. It's your son and daughter, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember your son and daughter. And um, so 
I know that that was always going to be a priority and, and quite throughout this, this, this podcast you've spoken about, you know, I'm a father, I'm a father, I need to be a father, you know, I need to be in my kid's life and I love that, it's particularly coming from a man, you know, I, I love that myself and I felt exactly the same, you know, the most important thing when I cleaned up was I need to go and sort my kids out, I need to mm-hmm. go and sort my son out, and it, I, I had to, because otherwise my recovery would not have, it, it'd just be rubbish, you know, I'd, yeah. have just, I'd have just been running around, you know, pretending to be somebody, pretending to do something when I wasn't actually doing it right. You know, so I kind of really respect that. So I just want you to just kind of just tell me what would your advice be to somebody coming into Broadway Lodge? um, You know, with your experience of coming through Broadway Lodge, what do you think or what could you say to somebody that helped them get through the process here? Listen, you got to listen. Okay. And if you don't, if you don't agree, you have to just see what's visually in front of you. Okay. You know, when I got here, other people here knew better than me. And I think, get, we are, you have a little bit of a laugh, that's important, do you know what I mean? It's like, lighten the soul a little bit, but get stuck in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get stuck in because this, this is now like a little training camp for life. Mm-hmm. And you need to get the most out of it. Yeah. You need to pick up the tools. Open your mouth if you if you if you need to, and when you get out, build your network. Because although everybody in here is at the same time, you know you gel with people. When you leave, unfortunately, some don't make it, some do. But everyone has their own life. Everyone has their own path, mm-hmm. and they go back to it. Yeah. It's about building a network when you get out. I say that, like uh, like you said, this is. For me, this is like school. This is like school for emotions mm-hmm. that addiction has brought us here to learn, to deal with, to understand. Yeah. Um, and you're right. And I think we we always had these, we had these conversations, I think it's a few years now, we had these conversations that, you know, you you have an amazing moment here. You, sp- you spend some real intimate moments with people. You, you know, you share some real intimate details. You share some... Real, tra- you hear some real tragic stories, and and that is a, a moment in time, and you kind of live with that. It kind of really stays in your soul. However, when you leave here, not everybody's going to make it. Unfortunately, so yeah, sadly so. I mean, I, you know, I remember the cohort that you went with, and there's some people that are absolutely smashing it, and there are some people that you know struggled, you know, really struggled. I see some of them. Yeah, do you know what I mean. Yeah. I do see some of them. You know, I hope to get back. Yeah. Generally, I do. Yeah. Um, but I think, like you said, this is, when we come in there, we're broken, you know, we're on death's door. That's mm. the facts. And when you're starting to get your emotions back and you hear people, people's struggles and the pain and your own pain, mm. you gel together. Yeah. You know? The pain brings us together, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. And even in the dry house, I mean... Some magic happened there for me, yeah. but it really happened in the dry house. Mm. And I, I'm grateful for that opportunity. I'm grateful for everyone that's helped me on my journey. Mm. Like genuinely, I am. Yeah. Right? And it was when 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 you're given that leg up and you're giving, you know, people hold you when when you can't, you know, when you're struggling. Um, mm. You you become you bring, you get a bond with people. Yeah. Then then life gets real. Mm. You know, you get back out 
but you go out there and people either go back out or you know god forbid they die mm-hmm. and then the ones that do get well they had a life before they came in so they're going to have a life again and mm. everyone goes their own way and that's all right that's cool yeah yeah but if you're holding on to that and that disappears then you're on your own mm. and you need the network yeah um so what you're saying that it's important that everybody when they leave here builds a network yeah most important and it doesn't have to and for me it don't have to be the fellowship as well it, it, it you just need a group of people around you that can guide you that you can talk to and point you in the right direction and sometimes it's the fellowship and something it's just it's just for me it's, i don't know who it is i don't care whether it's the church the synagogue whatever it don't matter to me but if you need to find a supportive network of friends groups faith exactly. religion whatever that help you to stay away from addiction because for me once you pick up that 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 is a return to hell and as you've said if you've been shown away and then you go back it's even worse it's it's like if you think you've hit rock bottom well i can talk only personally for myself yeah i thought i'd hit rock bottom wasn't even a scratch it wasn't even a scratch on what was coming and like you said i'd pay i'd pay a lot of money to take myself to hell and then, I'd, and then I'd pay a load more to secure my place there. <laughs> and it's insane. But over and over and over again, I thought that this would stop, this would help me. And this is where the insanity comes in. Do you know, you've got a problem, you add fuel to the fire, and then I, and I had more, more and more. And it's... Do you know what, mate? That just so... I mean, I haven't realised, but that just so... That, and that's the reason why I haven't, because the fault of going back to the hell that was addiction absolutely scares the living daylights out of me. And it, you know, I was, I was, I was saying a uh, conversation with my, uh, my cousin, as I said to you this morning on, 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 um, on text where that's just not an option. No, it, it scares me to death because, um, not only are you living in absolute crippling pain, but, what scares me the most is the things that are most precious to me in this life mm-hmm. are completely out of my heart and my head. Yeah. Yeah. They're completely gone. Yeah. And I, I value these things mm. so much. Like the love for my children, my family, my mm. friends. Um, friends doesn't even give it justice. You know, I've got proper brothers. You know, yeah. we're, we're brothers. Yeah. Simple as that. Indeed. And, um, and when... What scares me about it is, along with the mental pressure and everything like that, it's the fact that the love for it all is gone to the point where I don't want to be on this earth. Mm. And if I sink my ship, there's people on board, and there's especially my children, I'm mm. dragging them underneath with me mm. because they have to live with that. And it's what's scary about the relapse is you're so disconnected and so delusional that the most precious things on this earth mean nothing because you're so imbalanced. Wow. Wow. Just frightening listening. It's, yeah, just, it's just, it's scary. It's just yeah, the, it the, that scary. thought, that, that thought about the things that you hold so dear, the things that you say that you love so dearly, you literally don't care about anymore. 
but yet you will tell people oh i love my kids i love my family i love this and that but once you start picking up that's gone you love nothing mm. and you don't want to live in the pain anymore yeah. so you quite happily exit the world do you know what? when you was talking about this i was just thinking about one of the most important things that i always want to protect is my head mm. because of the 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 emotional imbalance that can come when I start thinking a little bit, let's call it crazy. Um, and one of the things that I've learned to do is just protect my head, you yeah. know, and, I, and I'm, I'm kind of hearing you say the same thing with your mental health that sometimes you need to, because it's that thing that can start making you think the wrong thing, different things. And before you know it, you want to try to medicate that. 100%. And I think... I mean, that's how it ends up, you know, mm. if you don't do it. But yeah. if you do it, you know, it gives you... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a very calm, happy guy these days. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I, I don't need material things to make me happy. I don't need other people to make me happy. I'm cool with me and I'm cool with what I'm doing. Mm. And, you know, that... Although it can end up the way that I've just been talking about, which is real dark and real, real gloomy, do you know what I mean? On the plus side of that, do you know, it gives me gives me a life you know what I mean but it also like it, it changes the way I am with my kids you know the way I speak you know to my children with my son especially it's alright to talk about how you feel I'm yeah. constantly telling them I'm loving them probably too much you know what I mean but on, on the negative side when it gets bad it's terrible but when it gets good it's great it's amazing isn't it yeah it's really good mm. and it's what I always thought I needed in life I don't. Mm. I've got what I need, and it's small. It's it's small little things, but the things that matter. Mm. And it's about finding what matters. And all right, I like to treat myself. Sometimes I work hard, yeah. but I don't buy something to make me happy. I don't buy something because I think it. I'll need it. Mm. I only need the the important things, and I've found them now. I love that. I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end this podcast on this. Find what matters. 100%. Recovery is just life beyond substance misuse. Yeah, you know? that's it. And then hopefully it becomes the norm, and then you don't go back to substance misuse because you're just living a life that you value and, as you said, you treasure, and you don't want to throw away, and you certainly don't want to sink your ship. No, dude. Thank you very God much. Bless you. Thank you for coming down. Yeah.